It's time for midday to end the week. It's Friday. It's the 12th day of February. It's bitterly cold. Hopefully you are thawing out. Things are not going to improve, unfortunately, this weekend. So we don't have any good news in terms of the weather. Uh, A lot of snow coming in certain locations and brutally cold temperatures also on the way. I'm Tyler Cavalli. We'll be joined with Scott Foster here in sports in just a moment. Bob Brogan also in the building. He'll tell us uh, how the uh, stocks are performing so far to end the week. However, let's go out east to Susan Littlefield, the farm director. And uh, Susan, are you uh, getting any snow in your neck of the woods? We are getting snow. It's coming down at a, a nice little clip, and it's only 20 below with the feels-like temperature. Mm, only. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not a good thing to say, only 20 below. I know. I'm trying to be optimistic here. <laughs> <laughs> How much snow have you got so far? Oh, it's probably less than a quarter of an inch. Oh, but okay. I bet by this afternoon, and it's light again, which makes me nervous, because, yeah, you know, when the right. wind picks up, yeah. that stuff blows around mm-hmm. pretty easy. Make the roads a little slick out there, and as you would know, uh, things uh, that can get a little dicey. Oh, very much so, and dicey very quickly, too. That's right. Well, what can you tell us about midday here on this Friday? Well, we're going to kick it all off here at 1219 as we talk weather. We'll hear from Chad and Al Dutcher. You know, I kind of hope he would bring us some warm temperatures, but it doesn't sound like it's going to happen anytime soon. Then at 1245, this month is American Heart Month and cardiovascular disease is America's number one killer. So Alex is going to hear from a native that talks about how she rebuilt her life after surviving a heart attack. And then wrapping up at 117, it is FNBO's Friday Feeders and Chabella Talks with Douglas Olson with the American Hereford Association on National Reference Sire Program. And it's been in its inception since 1999. So that's a look at the midday and an early happy Valentine's Day to everybody from me. There you go. Thank you very much. Also, that first part of the interview with Alex and on the heart issue uh, was pretty solid yesterday. So look forward to the second part. Yeah, she's definitely pumping it up. That's but right. Bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are rolling our eyes here. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm there for you. You tried. You Have tried. A good weekend, Thanks, guys. you too. Uh, let's turn things over here to uh, Scott Foster filling in for Jason Jorgensen, who is down in uh, cold Oklahoma as well. And uh, speaking of the Lopers, that's obviously where he is at right now with the Loper basketball teams. Uh, some W's. Yeah, last night. got a sweep last night. Men and women both getting getting wins. Of course, the women continue to do very well. Maybe getting a little closer to getting that uh, tournament look there. Anyway, we'll see. Nebraska weird. The UNK volleyball team also played last mm-hmm. night. They they got a win. Husker women fall to Iowa. Gosh, just hate losing to the Hawkeyes. You know, in the Husker women, they've been so solid here as mm-hmm. of late. But, boy, these late-game losses, they're just taking a toll on yeah. Coach Williams. They've fallen to 9-8 and eight now mm-hmm. and 7-7. Seven and seven. They were overachievers early on. Maybe right. some reality is, has set in. We'll talk about it. Oh, and an Australian Open uh, update, too. We'll let you say the names. We, uh, we look forward to more name pronunciations from uh, the tennis world, that is for sure. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan and uh, Stocks. How are they looking so far? They're a little bit mixed in uh, trading following uh, highs yesterday. Also, uh, Britain's economy has, well, they've been doing some crushing of the numbers, and uh, they say that the economy suffered its biggest decline in more than 300 years in 2020, and most of us weren't around 300 years ago, so we don't have any numbers to compare it to. Most uh, of us. Yeah, we'll have to take... (laughs) <laughs> Take that as the gospel truth. Anyway, that's... 
It's time for a regional ag weather update, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins has stepped back in the studio, and Paul, this is not going to be a fun forecast to talk about. Yeah, we're actually headed into the worst of this cold over this weekend and also into early next week. Probably starting today, four days of uh, just bone-chilling cold and then some periods of snow moving through the region. We're already starting to see some snow here in the Kansas or in the Nebraska region, also down in north-central Kansas, and uh, it's starting to make things a little tricky, especially on the roadways. Yeah, some partially covered snows right now, partially covered roads, especially as you head into eastern areas of Nebraska, and also as you head into the Nebraska Sandhills, that's where that snow cover has been a little bit more prevalent, and it looks like the better chances of seeing those accumulating snows for today along and north of I-80, but it'll be a different story more to the south and with another system tomorrow night into Sunday. So basically, two chances of, of seeing snow, and by the time the weekend's over, some areas could see a decent amount of snow. Uh-huh. About On average, probably most of us going to see about four to six inches of snow, uh, depending on if you get more today and less tomorrow, and then more uh, tomorrow night as opposed to less today. And we're actually going to get it from both directions. Today, we're getting it from the north. Tomorrow night into Sunday, getting it from the southwest. So if you feel like you're getting hit in both directions with this weather, it's actually the truth here. So two punches from each <laughs> side, that's for exactly. sure. Exactly. And just to talk about the cold right now, the state's low this morning in Nebraska was 15 below, Tyler, in Wayne. The nation's low, get this, 44 below. Oh my. At Newland Creek, Montana. That's without the wind chill. Uh-huh. Yeah, right before the wind oh, chill. And Newland man. Creek, in case you're wondering, it's right in the heart of Wisconsin, just to the east of Helena. So it's not like it's right towards the Canadian border either. Oh, in Montana. Okay. Yeah, Montana, Montana. Yeah, Newland okay. Creek, wow, Montana. Wow, wow. 44 below zero this morning. Right now, some light snow continuing to fall across south central Nebraska into north central Kansas. Some of that light snow from about the Lexington area on over to Hastings and Sutton down to Phillipsburg and Smith Center. A lot of uh, patchy snow into eastern Nebraska along the interstate from Seward on up to just near Omaha. Uh, quite a bit of snow continuing to fall just to the north of Bedford from around uh, Mullen to Brownlee to just south of Atkinson. This snow gradually moving to the south and southeast, but also showing some periods at times of breaking up. We're getting the snow, as we mentioned, from both directions today, getting the snow on the backside of low pressure over Canada, a disturbance leading to the southeast for our likely chances of snow through tonight. Higher accumulations of 2 to 5 inches along the north of I-80 with liner amounts farther south into northern Kansas. Now, tomorrow night through Sunday, low pressure out of the four corners brings another round of 2 to 5 inches of snow that will favor southern Nebraska into northern Kansas. In fact, we could see upwards of 6 inches of snow as you head towards far southwest Nebraska, northeast Colorado, and northwest Kansas, where a winter storm watch goes into effect for tomorrow afternoon into Sunday afternoon. Several record lows for daytime highs and morning lows could be broke this weekend through Tuesday morning. Tomorrow night through Tuesday night brings the coldest overnight low temperatures and wind chills, especially for Sunday night into Monday morning. And once again, Monday night into Tuesday morning with those dangerous wind chills colder than 30 below. Daytime highs for today through Monday look to be more than 40 degrees colder than normal, with temperatures just around zero during the day. The weather models do suggest some relief from this bitter cold, with highs in the 20s by Tuesday and 30s by next Friday. The forecast confidence, though, that far out with the lingering snowpack, not that high right now. The hope for less cold, though, is in the long-term forecast. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are likely to still be much colder than normal. The middle of next week, the outlook trends near normal to slightly above normal on the temperatures late next week through February 25th. 
during that time in central Nebraska. Average daytime highs in the low to mid-40s. Average overnight lows in the low 20s. A break from the snow is on the horizon with below normal precipitation. A strong likelihood for Wednesday through the 25th for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. In the markets, key weather factors include stressful and possibly damaging cold over the central U.S. and variable conditions in South America. Following a weekend storm across the central and southern plains, temperatures could plunge to zero or below as far south as central Texas. Snow in advance of the coldest weather should help to insulate the central and southern plains winter wheat crop. But farther north, some wheat fields in northeast Montana and western Dakotas have, snow co- have no snow cover amid a protracted smell of sub-zero temperatures, increasing the risk of winter kill. In South America, central Brazil has heavy rain in the forecast through the weekend and next week, Weather that will be unfavorable for soybean harvest and second crop corn planting. Southern Brazil crops will see very little heat stress with lighter rains and near normal to just above normal temperatures. In central Argentina, scattered showers continue this weekend. Central areas that are bypassed will see dryness concerns develop for filling corn and soybeans. Central Argentina crop conditions mixed after periods of heavy rain mixed with prolonged dry stretches this last month. So basically what you're saying is uh, buckle up because it's going to be pretty nasty this weekend. Yes. Uh, make sure you, of course, limit your exposure to the cold because it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, I'm very cold right now. Again, <laughs> we're looking at a lot of negative temperatures. Uh, for a full forecast for this weekend, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krv.com. Chad Moyer with you back on the Rural Radio Network, and it is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. And uh, Al, I think there's quite a few people in the country that are about ready to cry uncle, but we're just not done with this cold weather yet, are we? Oh, no, unfortunately not. There is light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, but we're going to have to go through another brutal stretch here, just like last weekend. This surge looked like it might be a little bit stronger, and of course it's coming. There's that upper air low that's responsible for pulling the cold air in. It retrogrades back. It's going to pull all that cold air all the way down into deep southern portions of Texas. And we're going to see several rounds of precipitation. The first one starting right now that we're seeing across the state. You know, anywhere from in here in eastern Nebraska, probably in the area of one to three inches of this light fluffy stuff. And out west, depending on where you are, you might see four to six inches with this. There's not a lot of moisture with it. So just remember that five one hundreds of liquid water is equivalent to about an inch to an inch and a half at these temperatures. So it doesn't really take much to get a lot of inches but the big story is is that pushes south we're going to see that snow spread south of us and the cold temperatures and the cloudy conditions will remain in place and then we'll see another wave move out of the central rockies and another push of cold there to reinforce that we'll start to materialize we go into tomorrow afternoon through sunday afternoon and it looks like we'll see most of the activity remain across the southwest part of the state where we'll see the heavier snowfall and lighter totals as you move eastward with primarily uh, most of that snow south of the Interstate 80 corridor. It's that system that's going to merge up with the bottom of that trough and develop a very powerful storm across Texas and then move that up the eastern seaboard. And then we'll see some breaks here in the central plains from the precipitation, but the cold air is just going to remain in place. And we're going to be looking at, interestingly, how cold it's going to get uh, as we get into Monday and Tuesday morning. A lot of that will depend on cloud cover, but I think we'll easily see some locations of the state that will get to the 25 below zero range, unfortunately, with no chance probably to see highs above zero until we get into Tuesday. And then we'll see as another piece of energy comes around that upper air trough, develops another system that will move up in the Ohio River Valley, and it's that system that's going to pull all this major upper air trough and lift it up toward 
the Great Lakes and Northeast. That means that we'll start to see a ridging pattern build into our region, at least temporarily. We'll add about 10 degrees per day. And it looks like by the time we get into late next week, we may actually see the freezing mark across portions of the state, at least the southern half of the state. And from there, there is evidence of another wave might be moving through the central Rockies that we'll have to pay attention to. That would arrive late in the weekend to the earlier part of the following week. That gives us the next chance of moisture. Interesting fact is this stretch of cold weather we've seen so far has virtually eliminated the warmth that we had seen for the entire winter up till the break of this cold weather in southern Nebraska. And we've knocked about three degrees off that in northern Nebraska. And if this trend continues for the remainder of the month, we'll likely see the vast majority of the state come in below normal for the entire winter period. Thinking about uh, the length of this cold snap, you know, that puts a lot of ice on the lakes, but a, a lot of ice on, on the river system in Nebraska. If we get some moisture this spring, you know, that could be interesting when those rivers break up, huh? You're absolutely correct. Uh, right now, I would say that the, the risk for ice jamming is fairly high just because of the cold and the amount of depth we get in our ice. The, the key ingredient right now is we don't have a tremendous volume of moisture in the snowpack like we had in 2018. Plus, we have a lot of that underneath of the snow. We don't have much frost depth. So as long as we keep a slow melt-off going forward to open up these streams before we start to release a lot of the water that's remaining in the snowpack, we could be in good shape. But a quick warm-up and then following it with some rain on top of it, yeah, we're going to have a mess on our hands. We've been visiting with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher, on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. It's time for Midday Sports, and Scott Foster is in for Jason Jorgensen, who is currently residing down in Oklahoma with the UNK women's and men's basketball teams. And while speaking of the Loper basketball teams, they both had a successful night last night. They did. They uh, got the sweep. Uh, junior Darian Nebaker scored a season high 23 points, and Richard sophomore Cedric Jones made four three throws in uh, the final 23 seconds of overtime to help UNK grind out a 76-72 win over Northeastern State Thursday in Tahlequah. Uh, I love that name. Uh, the Lopers seven and ten keep its uh, they will keep its MIAA tournament chances alive, while also sweeping the series with the River Hawks. Seven teams in IAA currently have uh, between seven and nine wins. UNK women now 15-2, and two, while uh, the uh, Northeastern State Riverhawks dropped to 5-13 and 13 as they got the win, too. Lopers joined Fort Hayes State and Central Missouri atop the MIAA standings. And the weirdness that is this year also taking place last night was the UNK Loper volleyball team. Right. They had their first match against outside competition in 14 months. Meanwhile, the Mountain Lions and the rest of the RMAC have been playing eight league matches since mid-January. Uh, that's uh, Colorado, Colorado Springs, by the way. That's who UNK beat. Uh, they are now 2-4 and four after that loss. UNK faces fourth-ranked and unbeaten Metro State 5-0, I should say, Saturday at noon central in Denver. Nebraska women took a loss last night. They were trailing by 17 points, and then came roaring back. They erupted a 13-0 run in a span of just 236, but the Huskers uh, could not complete. They worked so hard to come back. You run out of run out of steam, and uh, Iowa beat them 88-81 Thursday night at Pinnacle Bank Arena. 
Huskers who slipped to nine and eight overall and seven and seven in the Big Ten. Nebraska completes its two-game homestand on Sunday afternoon by playing host to number nine Maryland, the Turtles. Mm. Tip off between the uh, Huskers and the Terrapins is set for four p.m. Now. We are in a very interesting time for prep sports. We're we're right on the tip of the cliff right now. This is Friday. Mm-hmm. Districts for subdistricts for girls basketball starts next week. We have wrestling, state wrestling starting up next week. Boys districts follow that. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we start to lose our voice, you'll know why. <laughs> and you've got a, you've got a game tonight in uh, in uh, uh, Sumner. I do, yep. SEM, Sumner, Eddieville, Miller will host uh, Overton, so Eagles just have to fly, I don't know, 10 minutes up the road, 20 minutes up the road, not too far for them. As the as the Eagle flies. As the Eagle flies, that's yes. right. Well, so we may use it as the opening. I think you should. As an opener, that's right. But uh, no, it, it should be good for both girls and boys tonight. And uh, yeah, you're right, district wrestling starts tomorrow across the state, and high school basketball subs postseason uh, it's again. I'm knocking on wood, so we make sure we get through all this. But uh, it's incredible that we've gotten this far. It really is. And I talked to Jay Beller about that yesterday, the executive director of the of the Nebraska State Education, or excuse me, Athletics Association, and, and a lot of the good things going on here. A couple more things, real quick. The Australian Open, which we talked about at great length yesterday, will be allowed to continue, but without crowds now. And that's not because of the 60-year-old drunk lady that yelled at Rafa yesterday. <laughs> Victoria State Government imposed a five-day lockdown in response, response to COVID-19 outbreak at a quarantine hotel. The lockdown uh, took effect at midnight, forcing spectators to lead Rod Laver Arena before the end of Novak Djokovic's match against Tyler Fritz. Now, it will be interesting to see how that spills over to other national, or I should say international events, like the Olympics coming up here at the end of the summer. Well done. That, did you sub, Did you do that on purpose? I did not. You Very well Good done. Good segue. It was a nice yeah, segue. Uh, Yoshiro, and, and let's have the Olympics have more problems. Yoshiro Mori has resigned as the president of the Tokyo Olympics Organizing Committee after a sexist comment he made last week in which he said, women talk too much. But the resignation of the former Japanese prime minister at an executive board meeting has left a mess Mm. in its wake. So let's just have more problems for the Olympics. It's always something with the Olympics, that's for sure. It's always something. Husker men, by the way, also play today against Illinois. That will be over on Camden Country. Thank you very much. Thank you. Time for Midday News, and Dave Schroeder has now stepped in. And Dave, how's the week been going so far? Well, it's been going good. Uh, some snowfall. You know, it's always pretty to see the snowfall. It uh, reminds me of my college days when I might have missed a class maybe when it was starting <laughs> to snow and maybe watch it fall with a beverage in the hand. But When you say you missed a class, it wasn't because uh, the, the college had shut down. It no. was because you had shut down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Just want to make sure we're clear on that. Absolutely. You got me there. <laughs> Baird Senator Steve Erdman's LB-468 to require the state to compensate property owners for damage caused by wildlife went before the legislature's Natural Resources Committee yesterday. And I ask you to forward this bill to the floor and we'll get the appropriations bill approved and we'll commit $10 million to this and they can stop paying the $10 million as soon as they solve the problem. 
Well, Senator Erdman is referring to the companion bill, LB-469, that would set aside $10 million in state funds each of the next two fiscal years to cover wildlife damages. Erdman has previously said uh, having to cover farmers and ranchers' wildlife damages might be what it takes for Game and Parks to stop being tight-fisted and handing out hunting permits. LB-468 says the rules include provisions for a third-party certified appraiser for farm crops, a third-party certified inspector for livestock, and a third-party certified real estate investor. An investigation by Kearney Police Department and Buffalo County Sheriff's uh, Buffalo County Attorney's Office has concluded that a Kearney infant died earlier this week as a result of blunt force and cranial trauma caused by an American bulldog that resided with the family. That's according to a news release issued by Buffalo County Attorney Sean Etherton. CHI Health Good Samaritan's Ambulance was summoned to a residence in Kearney around 3 a.m. Wednesday for an infant that was not breathing. Kearney police officers were first to arrive on scene and discovered a deceased one-month-old infant girl. The news release further states that an investigation into the history of the animal revealed no prior known aggressive behavior. The animal was euthanized, and the death of the infant has been ruled accidental. A Kansas City, Kansas hospital has raised its minimum hourly wage to $15 an hour. The University of Kansas Health System says that the change took effect on Sunday and will be reflected in paychecks. The announcement comes nearly a year into a global pandemic that has hit hospital staffs around the country particularly hard. It also comes as President Joe Biden's administration is pushing for an increase of the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. The hospital says it has not laid off or furloughed staff during the pandemic and that the minimum wage increase is another step to support frontline workers. And that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. February is American Heart Month, which means it's time to recognize America's number one killer, and that is heart disease. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are continuing part two of our conversation with Angie Jorgensen. She's a Nebraska survivor of a heart attack, at least one stroke, and a rare tumor. All happened at once. Angie, for those who are just now joining us, I want to recap you have taught fitness classes for over 25 years. You run marathons. You've always prioritized your health. And so from the outside looking in, you were certainly not a prospect to have these heart problems. But in December of 2012, you did have these problems seriously, and you coded for over 20 minutes. Um, and that was after your husband was able to rush you to the hospital through ditches did you know anything about heart disease or have an idea that you had heart problems before any of this started? I wasn't aware of how common it was. Um, working in health and fitness, I had heard some things, but it's very different when you live it. And uh, no, I was not as familiar. So in the process of rebuilding, what were some of the things you focused on um, as you were literally trying to get back up on your feet to live your life? One of the things that was most helpful was just focus on one good thing and build on that. When I was in the hospital, even still restrained at times, and I nearly coded twice more, I realized how out of control things were. But I also remember thinking, okay, I cannot focus on everything that's going wrong. 
but I'm going to find one good thing and start there. There was one evening when, you know, I was kind of getting tired of not being able to use my hands. Um, I had to, you know, have somebody hold a cup of ice, you know, give me a piece of ice to my mouth or hold a cup of ice or do everything. And while I couldn't walk yet, I remember thinking, okay, if I could just get my hands going, that would change things. And so I spent the better part of one night just trying to work and, and pick up a cup. And, and it was hours and hours and hours. Um, but I remember at the end of it, uh, one of the nurses who had to keep coming into the hospital room to pick up my cup because I, I would try to pick it up with kind of closed hands and it would fall on my lap. And of course, ice would go everywhere. And then I'd have to give up and page them. And after multiple times of doing this, the nurse kind of sweetly looked at me and she said, it's no wonder you're still alive. Your stubbornness is probably part of why you're still here. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. We're visiting with Angie Jorgensen. She is an absolute warrior. She is a survivor of a heart attack and a stroke and also a rare tumor. Angie, this happened about 10 years ago. And how would you say your life has changed after this entire experience? Every day is truly a gift. I try to make a point of never taking it for granted. In fact, for me, as far as sunrises and sunsets, today is 29.95 of sunrises and sunsets that I was never supposed to see. So I figure I've got to just be so grateful, but also look for ways to show kindness and pay it forward. Little things like that, there's so much goodness. And I, I truly try to just pour that out there where I can. And of course, to just promote rocking your health in the best way possible. Well, that fits in quite perfectly into what I wanted to ask you next. What's important for Nebraskans to know about heart disease? What's important to know is that it's not selective necessarily. If people saw me, they would say she is not someone that would experience that. But the fact that I did, I hope it's a wake-up call or, or just an additional reminder that you know, we have to honor our health and take care of it as best we can because everything else really starts to come in second place if we don't have our health in the best way. And with heart disease being so prevalent, one in three, I think, is the average there and one in four for stroke now. And so we just, we just want to honor our health in the best way possible. So through diet, through being active, things like that, uh, it makes a big difference. Angie, I have learned so much in this conversation that we've had so far, but what else is important to mention that we haven't talked about yet? I would just say that if you see arenas and opportunities where you can also be a great example for others, those things have a ripple effect. If you can check into the American Heart Association's website, you can learn a lot of good things about how to honor and take care of your health. But I would also say just don't take it for granted. Know that, look around you and see all the wonderful reasons you have to live a healthy and great life and how that can benefit your family. Well, Angie, as we round out this conversation today, is there a way for people to connect with you and hear about your story or maybe share some thoughts and ideas that they have? Yes. In fact, this is something that I did not want to forget to mention. Uh, one of the things that I was able to do in working with the Heart Association, I became great friends with two other stroke survivors. And the three of us have formed a group called the Stromies. And that's spelled S-T-R-O-M-I-E-S. 
think of it as stroke homies, stromies. <laughs> but you can find us on stromies.com, and we share what the whole point of it is. There is nothing monetary whatsoever. It is all to just encourage heart and stroke survivors. And we share stroke survivor stories from all over the nation. And um, we're so proud to do it. In fact, actually, um, we've even reached out beyond the United States to share stories. We also can be found on Facebook and on Instagram at 3 Stromies. I just want to definitely put that out there because uh, it is a great way to also stay informed. All right. Awesome information. Well, Angie, thank you so much for taking time to hop on the phone with us and tell us your story about being a heart attack, stroke, and rare tumor survivor. We really appreciate it, especially for American Heart Month. Thank you. Again, we've been visiting with Nebraska native Angie Jorgensen, who's the survivor of a heart attack, at least one stroke, and a rare tumor that all happened in December of 2012. And we're so grateful she's here to share that story. You can learn more about American Heart Month and cardiovascular disease at heart.org. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and Chekhov. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are edging higher as Wall Street looks to close a wobbly week of trading. The S&P 500 index was up two-tenths of a percent in afternoon trading. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was mostly unchanged. And the Nasdaq Composite gained two-tenths of a percent. The market remains focused on trillions of dollars of potential government aid that could be coming for the economy as Democrats move forward with their stimulus package. Companies continued reporting mostly solid earnings, including manufacturer Mohawk Industries and genetic testing company Illumina. Britain's economy suffered its biggest decline in more than 300 years in 2020 as the coronavirus pandemic closed shops and restaurants, devastated the travel industry, and curtailed manufacturing. Official data released today show the economy shrank 9.9% last year, more than twice the figure for 2009 at the height of the global financial crisis. The drop is the largest since 1709 when a cold spell known as the Great Frost devastated what was then a largely agricultural economy. The data comes as Britain's economy remains shackled by restrictions designed to combat COVID-19. A Czech firearms company has signed a deal to acquire Colt, the American gunmaker that helped develop revolvers in the 19th century and has since supplied the armed forces in the U.S. and other countries. The company says it has purchased all the shares in Colt Holding Company, LLC, the parent company of Colt's manufacturing company, and its Canadian subsidiary. The deal is worth $220 million, plus newly issued shares in the Czech company. It is subject to approval by regulators. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Friday, and it's time for this week's Friday Feeders, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. The cow and calf are vital parts of any cattle producer's herd, but as important, or even more so, is the bull or sire in the herd. In Banner County, Olson Ranches is part of the American Hereford Association National Reference Sire Program and has been since its inception in 1999. Douglas Olson says the program is designed to test Hereford sires in commercial operations. We collect birth weight, weaning weight, yearling weight, carcass data on all harvest progeny, 
and now we collect feed efficiency data on the steer progeny. This program is designed to not only adjust expected progeny differences of the sires, but to increase the accuracies of those sires for other breeders to be able to use those sires in their programs to make informed breeding decisions. Olson says they wanted to experiment more and try new sires, and genetics has always been an interest for them. We were using bulls from different people, AI, and then giving them some data back for their use. However, as the National Reference Sire Program was started in 1999, this allowed us an avenue to get our information into the American Hereford Association's record-keeping system to allow our information to influence the EPDs of the sires we were testing. The genetics and the research are extremely interesting to our operation, and this also allows us to have a value add to our commercial cow-calf sector. Olson says when they started the program, it was a natural fit for their operation. And to partner with the American Hereford Association for them to analyze the data and make use on a wider uh, spectrum than what we were able to do locally. And so now it is interesting to see the bulls that we test that come from breeders across the nation and how they are tested in our environment, how they perform in our environment, uh, how they feed locally uh, as we retain ownership on all of these steers and harvest them, and then we also can provide data back to the Hereford Association on how those females perform in our environment. The members of the American Hereford Association nominate bulls they want to be tested and work with the Director of Breed Improvement. Olson says they have done several testings, gathering data for the association and other producers. We have tested approximately 300 sires, in our commercial cow herd with nearly 14,000 animal having data points in the Hereford Association's expected progeny difference calculations. Um, since 2010, when we installed our growth safe system to measure feed intake on the steers that are part of the program, we have feed efficiency data on approximately 130 sires with over 2,800 data points for feed efficiency measurements on steers. We also collect feed efficiency data on our registered bulls and heifers and do some custom data collection for other producers seeking intake data on their bulls, heifers, or steers. I'm Chabella Guzman with the Rural Radio Network, and we'll be back to chat more with Douglas Olson and learn more about the Olson Ranch's operations in March on our Friday Feeders, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Playpan on the World Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, many North American traders focusing in on the bitter cold weather, and that seems to be propping up energies as well as this wheat market. Can we expect it to maintain, though, much through next week? Well, I think the market's tired, you know, in my opinion. You look at, like, the ranges we've seen in corn over the last couple of weeks, and it just feels like the tone right now is there's really not a lot of news to trade off of. You know, you're looking at weather forecasts. 
uh, we've pretty much got the, the initial kind of idea of what these crops are looking like going forward into planning, and the planning rumors are out there. So, you know, we've come a long way. I think 539, 540 is a great price. You know, if you've held on this long, you're doing the right thing, so you don't need to listen to a guy like me. Um, but my thinking would be that, you know, the market's going to somewhat stay sideways here once we get into when, you know, delivery approaches and, and it'll be rubber meet the road time. In the meantime, I think March will fall against May, and I think July probably weakens up a little bit too. But uh, from the end user standpoint, these are the opportunities really the next kind of six weeks or so when, um, you know, the U.S. corn crop's still in the bag uh, and there really isn't any threat of weather. Then it's just a, a roll of the dice as we get into the growing season. I think that's where, where you got to take it if you're going to be long, long corn right now. Here in the macro picture of it, we continue to see the U.S. dollar index kind of on both sides, but the equity market getting softer where we don't have a stimulus package, possible travel restrictions in the U.S. Is there any spillover that hits the commodities in the coming weeks? It's the the short-term effect certainly could. Um, you know, t- tightness of the dollar, I don't know. I mean, it depends on against what. You know, the dollar the dollar has been somewhat soft. It's not, it's it's really only so. um I'm sorry, hard. It's only really softened against the euro recently, but it's still rather strong against the emerging markets, and that's really where commodities exist. And in my opinion, everything we do is going to be met with short-term stimulus and, and financial uh, quantitative easing. So uh, the market will treat that with a little bit of a put in mind. I think the U.S. producer has to sell. You know, they only have so much storage, but that's a problem for way down the road. And uh, in my opinion, you have prices kind of factoring that in already. Look at the carry between September and July. So to go into late, you know, late. Um, President's Day uh, a year ago, I mean, I'm just starting to look back on what, what the writings were and what the, the, the media kind of fervor was. And right now it was about signing the Phase 1 trade deal. So that had just happened. And then within the next month we will have started this COVID problem. So, you know, keep everything in perspective here. Things can change rather quickly. But in the short run, I think anything changing could be on the bullish, car, bullish side of things. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Friday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, not only from today, but the entire week, you can listen to our Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors at krvn.com.